Jonathan, why are we here? Why are any of us here? We're here because we live in Ontario, and uh, apparently Doug Ford is our premier. Our illustrious premier. Our, our premier. So we've been sitting on the idea for this show for a little while. Why are we here now? Well, the idea with this show was a break glass in case of emergency kind of thing. We'll sort of get the, the basic template down, the basic superficial trappings of a podcast. And then when things go batshit crazy at Queen's Park or coming out of Queen's Park, for whatever possible reason, we would break glass really in case of emergency. It really could have been anything. <laughs> it really could have been. It really, really could have been anything. At 9.13 p.m. on last Thursday evening, I texted Jesse. Time to break out Wag the Dog. Now we're here. Always throwing a wrench into think the media. Actually, I see my my good uh, lefty friend over there, uh, Jonathan Goldsby. You followed me up here. He chased us around for four years down at City Hall, but he's a good guy. We actually had him to our place. He is a good guy. So I'm Jonathan Goldsby, and although I would not take Doug Ford's word for it, I would like to think I'm a nice guy. I am the news editor at Canada Land, and before that, I covered Rob and Doug Ford at Toronto City Hall for. Many years. During that time, they occupied a disproportionate amount of my life and exhausted a disproportionate amount of mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual energy. I had hoped and thought that part of my life was done, or at least for a little while longer. Unfortunately, now it is not. I'm Allison Smith. I am a reporter and digital publisher of Queen's Park Today. Up until March of this year, I'd never been in the same room as a Ford, but the Liberal government is gone, and I'm following every move Doug Ford makes. From Candleland, this is Wag the Doug, a pop-up podcast about Doug Ford. Well, what is a pop-up podcast? Well, it's a term that probably Jesse came up with. We are not sure when the next episode will come out or if there will be another episode. Uh, we've made no commitments to advertisers. And all we really know is we are stuck with Doug Ford as premier for at least four years. And uh, it's only been four weeks. It's only been four weeks. And it's going to be a long four years. And there will be many things to talk about and many things worth talking about. And there already are. And so we hope you may want to listen to try to figure out a way to process and find our way through a new era on, on Ontario where. It is never clear in whose interest the government is working or to what end. Yay!
the best analogy that I could have been able to think of is the Looney Tunes cartoon, Duck Amok. Duck Amok is the one where uh, Daffy Duck suddenly finds himself facing off against the animator of the cartoon that he is in, who constantly erases and redraws things, redraws parts of his body that changes the scenarios that bend space and time on arbitrary whims. Buster, it may come as a complete surprise to you to find that this is an animated cartoon. And that in animated cartoons, they have scenery. And in all the years I... All right, wise guy, where am I? And at the end of the cartoon, it turns out it's actually Bugs Bunny who's been, you know, manipulating him, redefining his reality. A few years later, there was Rabbit Rampage, which is the same thing, but Bugs Bunny is being fucked with by Elmer Fudd. And so Doug Ford, in the sense, is pretty much uh, Elmer Fudd with a paintbrush. Okay, so we have the show Wag the Doug, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's what we're calling the pop up podcast. So you know the premise of that metaphor, other than being a lovely '90s film about politics, is that that there's some a tail wagging the dog. Someone else is controlling mm-hmm. the controlling the mission here. Lots of people have said, even Doug Ford said the other day. I talked about this in City Council a hundred times. I gave a hundred speeches on reducing the size of government. Of course, the crazy part is that it happened, you know, hours before the deadline for an election that's in just a couple months. Is this just all Doug? Is he trying to appease anyone with this? Or is this just like the whole Ford ethos boiled down in, you know, kind of chaos and small government and like a big fuck you to city council? I mean, the simplest explanation for why Doug Ford is doing this and doing this now is because he can. All the power that he wished he could have had in the four years on city council, all the power that he wished he had in the four years since then when he's just been mostly going around in the media and just saying what he would like and pressuring politicians by merely threatening to run, all the things he wished he could accomplish just by snapping his fingers, he can pretty much now do. And so whether he's appeasing anyone in particular, I mean probably there are certainly fans of his – no shortage of people who are legitimately pleased with the, with this news mm-hmm. and even pleased mm-hmm. with the process. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, in more particular, I mean, the idea of cutting down Toronto City Council in half had been the cover story, the front page story of the Toronto Sun just, you know, a few days before. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, Sue Ann Levy's column, at least the web headline, you know, was Doug Ford needs to cut Toronto Council in half and now. You know, on Twitter, I call this policy by Levy, uh, though that may simplify what's probably a chicken and egg sort of relationship. It's hard to say who is necessarily guiding who with regard to Doug Ford and the Toronto Sun. But it does seem to be more or less the Fox and Friends in this situation guiding the policy, surely shaping the discourse, which, you know, is an impressive achievement for a print outlet. But the Star had a story like a day before, too, about the strong mayor powers. And in there, it sort of leaked out Mm. that Premier Ford and Mayor John Tory had Mm. been meeting about mayoral powers and said that they had talked about changing to make Toronto's mayor's powers stronger in passing during a meeting. So it was almost like that leaked out somehow somewhere, too. And I doubt it was through Tory. So I think the seed was being kind of planted in a couple different places to get that conversation going. And I don't know, everyone seems to be sidelined by it, but... Yeah, well, the Sun's front page story last Friday, which should have been mostly about the cutting council in half, it had been clear that they'd also been seated 
incorrect information, probably not deliberately, but Levy in her column on Friday wrote that the new bill was supposed to cut city council in half and give the mayor more powers. The bill emphatically would not, Mm -hmm. uh, as was immediately clear when it was announced that Friday morning. It was just about cutting council in half. Any talk of increasing the mayor's powers would come later. And now that John Tory's re-election is no longer guaranteed, I do not expect there to be a bill increasing mayoral powers at least as long as his mayoralty hangs in the balance. Until Michael Ford runs for mayor. <laughs> well, in, <laughs> I mean, fine day. yeah, I mean, <laughs> for now, the nominations have been closed for candidates for mayor and aren't expected to be reopened. But, you know, the Doug Ford could do whatever. He could install Michael Ford as mayor. I mean, that could be challenged in court, whether that would be overturned. I don't know. There's very little, like, if he wanted to dissolve city council, if he wanted to dissolve the city of Toronto, it's within his authority to do that. If he wants to appoint a supervisor in charge of the whole city, if he wants to make Giorgio Mammoliti the Lord Mayor of Toronto, mm, he could probably, like, there's actually a much stronger legal case in favor of empowering having the power to do that than against it. Well, I think we're missing the good news story here, though. Mm-hmm. Like, my favorite part of this news story is not only was is Ford's bill, Bill 5, messing with Toronto City Council, mm-hmm. it's also erasing all of those other, or erasing mm-hmm. the elections for all of these regional chairs, which has an effect politically because we had former Transportation Minister Steve Del Duca running for the York chair, who... Like, for sure, Ford does not like Steve Del Duca. But also, Patrick Brown, friend of me, I mean, not really. I'm just like a fan. I love following his news. But he was running for the Peel chair. And now that position has been erased or he's not eligible for it anymore. But what does he do but announce the same day that now he's running for the mayor of Brampton, which is just, I don't know. That's just great. Like, He just got up in the morning, he read the news, and he's like, okay, what else can I do today? Like, drove to Brampton, rented a car, rented a basement apartment, and filed his paperwork. (laughs) I mean, that's gumption. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I just think it's funny that Patrick Brown is, like, somehow... Like is Ford's enemy now, but like all really Patrick Brown did was like he saved a seat for Ford for like years. He got in enough trouble to have to get kicked out so Ford could run for leadership and win this race. He should be, you know, not throwing bananas in front of the guy. He should for banana peels. <laughs> but I guess I mean who knows what happened behind the scenes because there was like sort of mumblings before that even while Patrick Brown was was running for the Peel regional chair that there were people in the premier's office that were like trying to run someone against him so that he so that he didn't win. So I guess they hate each other. So one of the things that I thought was pretty notable when Doug Ford made this like actual announcement about the bill and the changes to council on Friday morning was that he was using the word we as mm-hmm. he was talking about city council and like, we're going to make this the best city and we're going to get the city moving and like, we're going to be efficient now. And it's <laughs> like he was really acting like he's the mayor. Mm-hmm. The thing with Toronto City Council is that like other city councils in Ontario, you know, it's it's not a party system. The mayor officially has one vote. They have a lot of, a lot of influence and a great deal of sway. But ultimately, it does come down to their ability to convince, pressure, or bully members of council into taking their side on an issue to get to, to get a majority of votes to get something through. Like that, that actually takes it takes work. 
and it takes people skills and it takes time. Doug Ford, like no shortage of politicians over the history of time, much prefers the method of a system of government where a person decides something and then it happens. Basically, he has the power, he has more than the powers of a mayor. He has the powers he wishes a mayor would have. He has the powers he wishes he, ha- he had had and he and his brother had had while at City Hall, which is to say he can snap his fingers and redefine reality for the city without the need to convince anyone of anything because he has a majority government and no one is absolutely no one's expecting his caucus to rebel. Well, and because he has consulted thousands of Ontarians, Jonathan, don't forget, that's has been his, um, you know, his tagline to, in most cases up until now, explain, um, you know, his decisions behind policies like ending the cap and trade program, uh, changing the sex ed curriculum, which are things he campaigned on. But of course, he didn't campaign on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's still kind of, you know, just using using the same the same sort of lines. But Andrea Horvath, called him yesterday a, a dictator a couple times. Is she pulling that card, like, too soon, do you think? Is that... No, I mean, I think that's... An, I mean, I, I think that's... Notably, a... she did not say it again today. So maybe she... <laughs> I think it's a reasonable enough description of the powers of a leader of a majority government. I mean, it's not just particular to Doug Ford. But was but Kathleen terms... Wynne a dictator? I mean, you could argue in some respects, but I mean, like, it, it depends on how you wield your power, how you how you actually execute that. That's what it is. If you're taking sweeping arbitrary action, unjustified and on an unnecessarily urgent timeline, I mean, you could argue, well, that's an, it's, it's a legitimate power, but it's an abuse of that legitimate power. And I guess when powerful governments start changing the way democratic institutions work, which is what how, what they're doing with city council. Like, that's why all the mm-hmm. red flags are being raised, yes. right? It's it's consolidating power in, I mean, not necessarily more so in the premier's office, but it's it's using those powers to, to change the way government works. And that is what's scaring everybody. It's, well, it's canceling, in the case of Toronto, it's canceling 47 elections that have been underway since early May. It's reducing the amount of representation Absolutely. all Torontonians will have by their city councillor. And in the case of the regional governments, it's cancelling several more elections that were underway for no real particular justified reason other than mm-hmm. apparent vindictiveness against individuals. I mean, that in particular is what Calgary Mayor Nahid Nenshi referred to as the tin pot dictator stuff, which is cancelling you know, canceling an election because you don't like the person who's running. That is... Pretty much the definition of an abuse of power. He's coming for the things that make Toronto livable. And he wants us distracted. He wants us back on our heels. He wants us fighting with each other. Your call is not to figure out whether or not you can find a nice agreement with Doug Ford to make this a little less painful for us. Your duty is to get on the streets Fight back and stop this assault on the city of Toronto. So in the case of Toronto City Council, they've directed their legal staff to examine the text of the bill and report back at a special meeting of council on August 20th about what legal options, if any, they'll have. So we'll see. And they may launch a court challenge. Certainly, at least someone else, at least one other person is going to launch a court challenge. And but that it, can't happen before the election, right? That's going to have to be. I mean, they could launch it, but the, the I like as far as I can tell... 
And I think a couple of the counselors said this yesterday during the meeting, like, this is going to be what the October election is. We can't. Like, can they disrupt it before then? They disrupt it. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, that's what city staff will have to weigh uh, in terms of, like, what were the practical implications? The big, biggest argument for having a challenge is to try to actually carve out some rights from municipalities to actually say that no... The, the limits of provincial intervention, the limits of this whole creature of the province framework is you can't fuck with our democracy in an exceedingly arbitrary way. The province can totally fuck with municipalities' democracy. That's a, true across the country. That's by definition, that's in the constitution. But the question is, by how much? Is there a point at which the arbitrariness becomes so offensive and excessive that a court would intervene? I want to go back to something you said, and it was about how the PC caucus like mm-hmm. does not look like it's going to rebel. And I, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. I think when the story broke, again, this Toronto City Council story broke, it was kind of like whoever was telling the media about it was sort of saying like all the cabinet ministers, like not all of them think this is a good idea. People tried to talk him down from this. And, you know, here mm-hmm. we go anyways. And of course, everyone's fallen in line, uh, which is unsurprising. I mean, then Ford just got mm-hmm. them all great jobs. <laughs> But one thing it's done, it has like totally stirred up question period. And, you know, ever since Queen's Park came back uh, three weeks ago, it's definitely been a lot more hostile. Like, I really want to ask Andrea Horvath, like, do you miss Kathleen Wynne yet? Because it is like dark and dirty in there and disruptive. Like we have like the MPPs are just fighting. Question period is so loud. I mean, we can kind of maybe say this about that. It's the new speaker isn't really reining everyone in. The leader of the opposition and the premier will come to order. The leader of the opposition and the premier will come to order. The leader of the opposition and the premier will come to order. But the PC caucus is like getting up and applauding itself, sometimes two times during one answer. Uh, and these answers are 30 seconds long. So there's just all of these these standing ovations, the heckling, the shouting. And it's just like furious and crazy. And I know that this decision obviously isn't helping that. But I mean, it can only be said that this is the direction this place is going. And I guess, you know, question period under the liberals, for sure, people got mad at each other. Andrea Horvath and Kathleen Wynne like didn't like each other. But I think they didn't like each other more in like a nemesis sort of way. Like they played off of each other. And they kind of just laughed at Patrick Brown most of the time. But... (laughs) You saw, I guess, City Hall transform into, you know, a rabble-rousing institution under four. Do you think that that, like, that's what we're stuck with at Queen's Park? Like, how how rough is it going to get? My favorite tweet from last week was from Matt Elliott, the columnist formerly of Metro. On Friday, he observed, you know, the amazing thing is that yesterday's council meeting started very pleasantly. Nice goodbye speeches, reasonable-ish debate. Now, now, on Friday, solely because of Doug Ford, the chamber is packed, people are yelling, protests are raging, the mayor is saying the word balls. (laughs) And it is, I mean, chaos is almost too easy a word for it. But the very, the very... Not even the presence of the Fords. It's not even the presence. It's the very idea of the Fords. The very idea of this aura of anger and vindictiveness expanding and, cha- and challenging and coming up against all the things around it. 
that changes people. That transforms people. That absolutely transforms the discourse and absolutely ratchets it up. And if that's what city council was like, where quite literally Mayor John Tory, who's known for not losing his shit, was screaming at Mike Layton, get up if you have the balls to do it and say it. Get up if you have the balls to do it and say it. Yeah, it does not at all surprise me that that question period at Queen's Park and the immediate environment and the immediate aura of Doug Ford would absolutely devolve into the sort of caricature that people already imagined it might be. Isn't it true about, you know, angry governments, for lack of a better term, that even the people running an administration like that, and I mean, we can look to Trump in the United States, not because I want to make that direct example, but like nobody is really having a good time. Like even the ones in power, people in power are having off like it's not fun good. for them <laughs> right <laughs> fair I mean, but i think it that's the direction you know i mean it's bad to be on the opposition and it's bad to be fighting against that sort of power but even if you're in it it's not a blast no i don't i mean frankly i don't think destroying things should be a blast and i would be very concerned if it were i hope it's emotionally exhausting and i hope that the work of smashing systems destroys them from the inside. Yeah, no, I, I don't think... I guess that's how wrong. you come up with a supervillain, right? <laughs> so that was Wag the Doug. Alternate titles we considered included, but were not limited to, Reservoir Doug, Doug Day Afternoon, Hair of the Doug, and Snoop Dougie Doug. I'm Allison Smith, and you can reach me on Twitter at, at Queen's Park Today. I'm Jonathan Goldsby, and you can get me at Goldsby. This episode was produced by Kevin Sexton. The theme music, which obviously everyone loves, is by Nathan Burley. The idea with this is that it's a pop-up podcast uh, to return, you know, as needed. If you want more of this show, you're going to have to let us know. Download it, leave ratings, tell your friends, tweet at Jesse, And if it seems like we're on to something, we'll keep it going. 